Welcome to the ASHP Advantage Podcast, engaging the experts on ASHP Official, featuring conversations with top-level practitioners about the latest issues in pharmacy and healthcare. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Pharmacy Hot Topics, where we sit down with content matter experts and discuss what is currently top of mind in the world of pharmacy. My name is John Hertig, Vice Chair and Faculty at the Butler University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences, and I am joined by Ryan Humschild, Director of Pharmacy at Emory Healthcare, and Bernadette Hendricks, Director of the Nurse Anesthesia Program at Goldfarb School of Pharmacy at Barnes Jewish College. Today's episode is part of ASHP Advantage podcast series, Engaging the Experts, featuring conversations with top-level practitioners. This episode is supported by an educational grant from Fresenius Kabi USA, LLC. This podcast is for informational purposes and not approved for continuing education credit. Additional activities on this topic are available at www.ashpadvantage.com slash prevent diversion. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started talking about today's topic, controlled substances diversion. As we know, diversion of controlled substances is a genuine threat to all health systems, and pharmacists play a key role in controlled substance decision-making, specifically in respect to selecting products and dosage forms, as well as managing waste and disposal. In a well-attended midday symposium entitled Wasted Efforts, Engaging Key Stakeholders to Optimize Health System Drug Disposal and Prevent Diversion, held at the 2021 virtual ASHP mid-year clinical meeting, my colleagues and I addressed various key objectives. These included, one, identifying practices that support the safe use of IV products in the inpatient setting, including operating room and procedural areas. Two, describing the role of each member of the interprofessional team as it relates to cost-effective controlled substance management. Three, applying those key strategies to communicate with stakeholders on how healthcare disciplines might view waste reduction and diversion prevention initiatives. And finally, four, identifying opportunities to facilitate aligned controlled substance product availability as well as supporting clinical practice. And building on these themes, today in our podcast, we will chat with our experts about additional frontline lessons in the areas of waste minimization, creating a key value proposition and position justification, our auditing best practices, and finally creating an efficient yet compliant operating room throughput plan. Without any further introduction, let us begin our first question for Ryan. Ryan, recognizing that not everyone has a dedicated controlled substance analyst, what recommendations do you have to share for them to mitigate diversion and justify a position? Yeah, thanks, John, for the question. It's a great one because we recognize that every health system, hospital, uh, or perioperative setting is going to be small or large, and it's going to bend if it's owned uh, by a large corporation or not. And that comes into consideration when you're justifying positions. So the first thing I want to do is just make sure that when everyone's moving forward, whatever process you have for storing controlled substances, please make sure you're meeting the DEA and local board of pharmacy requirements. So that means that you need to have it under double lock. You need to make sure that there's restricted access to unauthorized staff, whether that's from a control perspective, right? Limiting who goes in, but even from like a liability and ability to handle medications. Uh, you also want to make sure that you have a robust manual system. If you don't have an automated dispensing cabinet, which I understand that requires some type of access that can be bio or something that's not static. So that means you want to work is, can you have a, a fingerprint sensor? A lot of times we see more low cost options utilizing badge access uh, to you know, access a closet, access a storage area uh, that's under double lock. 
And the reason you want to do this is because sometimes a key or a door code is something that's static, right? It's something that can be copied. It's something that can be memorized and unfortunately can lead to a greater diversion risk. So that's kind of how I would go about storage, making sure you're meeting the requirements, but at the same time, putting those safe uh, places in, in place. Another one is reducing kind of waste and purchasing products that have tamper evident packaging or tamper resistant packaging. So if you're storing this within a cabinet, you want to make sure you can visually inspect the product, whether it's the Department of Pharmacy, nursing, or providers, to make sure that you can tell if something's been tampered with. And you want to be able to recognize that instantaneously, and that gives you your best chance to respond to that diversion. And, you know, lastly, we talked about controlling waste, right, and minimizing waste. And the less waste you have, the less risk of diversion you have floating around. But you also need a position to monitor this. And so as we justify a position or you think about that, I know in our ASHP session, we talked about quantifying waste, but you also want to do a time analysis. How much time does it take for someone to reconcile the remaining medications, right, that have been double counted in that storage cabinet, might not, might not be an automated dispensing cabinet, and how much time does it cause you to follow up on all the waste events or the waste that's left in a container? And I think you want to add some time to that and develop worked hours, and that'll help you justify whether it's PRN, part-time, or a full-time position for an organization organization so they have someone following up on this. And lastly, the best way to do it is outline the absolute necessary activities from the DEA or Board of Pharmacy and the time involved in those. And that way, from a regulatory perspective, you can justify a position that will have the worked hours that match the scope of your organization. Well, thank you, Ryan. Some really helpful recommendations and strategies there. I appreciate you sharing it. I'd like to stay with you, Ryan, and talk a little bit about some of the operational pressures that we're facing in our health systems today. And Specifically in the perioperative environment, we know that room turnaround time is really important. How do we create a culture of appropriate controlled substance documentation, especially when we're really concerned about that case tack time? This is something I think we'll always struggle with, right? Because OR utilization is tied so much to the PL of an organization. And so you have to be mindful of that. But at the same time, controlled substance diversion and stewardship has to be kind of that leading arch that we head into when we have these conversations. So one of the ways that I think about this in terms of how we worry about tack time is what are the things that we can control and what waste in terms of time and what waste in terms of documentation can we eliminate if we change our processes on the front end? And I think that's where waste comes into play. If we can decrease the quantity and the number of times we have to waste from case to case, we can actually decrease the amount of labor time that either a CRNA or an anesthetist or a provider has to do in terms of reconciling that waste. And so the more you can streamline doses to what's actually used in eliminating waste, you eliminate any of that documentation time that's needed outside. Lastly, need to have the medications close to the provider, have that room treated securely, and have a really good documentation so that can immediately be recognized. If there is waste, here's how you document it, here's how you reconcile it, and allow them to move on. That way, you've removed waste in terms of time and labor, and at the same time, you've created clarity in terms of how your documentation needs to occur. I think those are the best ways that you can work with your providers. And then if you can't afford automated dispensing cabinets, looking at anesthesia workstations, things like that, that allow for easy access and quick access and allow for quick tack time is the best, and then creating rounding in terms of in-between cases where pharmacy can come through, reconcile drug, refresh it, allows for that tack time to keep improving or stay at steady state with that increased documentation and oversight. Yeah, Ryan, thanks for striking that balance uh, between those operational pressures and tack time, as well as our need to be compliant. Speaking of compliance, I do want to turn to Bernadette now, and compliance is especially important as part of an effective drug 
diversion prevention program, but we know that there are these logistical challenges. So help us provide some of your insight from the front line. And specifically, what do you do when you get pushback with the automated dispensing cabinet timing out, requiring one to log in again, especially when an anesthesia provider is saying that it's an emergency situation and can delay the emergent treatment of a medication? What do we do in that situation? Thanks, John. Um, And as a CRNA practicing in the OR, this actually has happened to me. So normally we bring our patients to the OR, we um, log on to the Pixis, get our induction meds out, get the patient to sleep. We're taking care of the patient. And with one case, my patient's heart rate went quickly from 100 down to 20. So I, I turned to grab the atropine and I had to log into the Pixis. And so it is annoying. But what you can do to get around this is when you log into the Pixis or whatever machine you use, just take out your, uh, your emergency meds. I now set out atropine, lidocaine, epinephrine, and that way if the Pixis does log out, you still have that access, quick access to the emergency drugs like you need. And then we have pre-filled syringes, so if we don't use the med at the end of the case, I can return them back to the Pixis. So, um, I think it works very well. We've all learned that in our institution the hard way because something has happened, but it works well. Oh, thank you, Bernadette. And and making sure you return those, right, and document accordingly is really important. But let's let's talk about auditing because that, that relates to the conversation that we just had. And auditing and the role of auditing is really important as part of a comprehensive controlled substance diversion prevention plan. So with regards to auditing, you state letting the health professional, or we stated before in our talk, our virtual talk around letting the health professional know that they're being audited, because that may help, you know, lead to less sloppy charting, maybe less diversion. Um, some facilities don't currently let the, the individuals know that they're being watched because we don't want them to change their behavior as part of being watched. And we want them potentially to get caught so to speak. Do you have any thoughts on that balance between informing the health professional versus letting them kind of find out the hard way? So you make a good point. If you uh, think that a healthcare provider is, is abusing drugs and you're suspicious of that, you do want to observe them and checking on their charts electronically and making sure that things are, are, are seem appropriate is good. Um, If they're returning drugs to the pharmacy, you might want to scan them to make sure that if if it says it's fentanyl, is it really fentanyl in there? However, um, so that does make sense if you you suspect that. However, for a lot of us, I don't think it's really that we're abusing. We get sloppy. We just, we don't be cautious with what we're wasting, what we've used. So when you start being observed and audited, it makes you realize, hey, I have to be more careful. I have to make sure that I'm charting the exact thing that I'm giving and the exact thing that I'm returning. And so it does help in that re- respect. But what about those who are, are diverting drugs? So prevention leads to diversion. The studies show that less diversion occurs if people know they're being audited or watched. And so maybe for some, that means they're getting the drugs from elsewhere, not from their workplace, but it might also decrease them from even thinking about trying to divert drugs because they're being observed and watched. And I'm another person who thinks that we should even have cameras on us in our work area in the OR 
um, because you could look back and see did they did they divert drugs. Thanks, Bernadette. Your your frontline perspective on that is really important, and you know clearly having a, a solid culture, making sure there's organizational and leadership alignment around documentation is important. But there's also you know software and technology that can help with auditing. Is, is there anything that you've used or you? Uh, may suggest from from your perspective that might be helpful as we try to be a little bit better in terms of audits and documentation? Yes, our hospital just started using BlueSight. It's a software that helps if if somebody says they've given three mLs of fentanyl and returned two and it doesn't match up, um, it'll alert the supervisor and then we can follow up on that and look into it. But there's more and more companies now that are are making this diversion software. Codonics, Wastelog, Expert, RX Auditor, these are just a few of the names. And the good thing is some of them actually link your Pixis machine or your, your machine that you're getting the medications out of to your electronic charting. So it helps with that process of auditing uh, the healthcare workers. Right, thank you, Bernadette. Ryan, I wanna turn back to you now and talk a little bit about one of the major themes of our midday symposium presentation, which was the idea of waste. And the more controlled substance waste you have in a facility, potentially the more opportunity you have to divert that waste. So as we talked about in the midday symposium and as noted in the literature as well, there's often a significant waste of controlled substances in our healthcare system. What strategies can we use to minimize that waste, especially as it relates to a comprehensive diversion prevention program and patient safety program? Yeah, John, it's a great question because I think it's something we're always working towards. You know, when I reflect on the literature that was published, right, that you've published with your colleagues, and I reflect on some of the questions that came up, one of the best ways for us to do that is try to product match as much as possible, right? So using the smallest dosage form possible to meet the needs of the patient and the provider. That way, you're not using, you know, large vials with lots of extra drug available that you can't utilize due to beyond use state or sterile uh, considerations. And so when you compare that together, you also want to then have minimal waste left or hopefully no waste left, right? Depending on the dose. I think another way is how can you optimize order sets to match the doses that you have or the products that are available? I think that's another really important one is if there's a way to match it where you're giving the whole dose and there's not extra waste that you have to document. There's not extra waste that could be diverted. And that's something when possible, we really try to focus on. You know, also when you're thinking about ready to use uh, syringes, that's something that Bernadette talked about earlier, I think is another great process because when people are drawing drug out of a vial, right at the point of the patient, there's extra drug that could be left in the syringe. There's extra drug that could be left in the vial. So sometimes having those ready to use syringes, I think makes, makes a big difference. And this is all important, right? Because when we're minimizing waste, we want to steward the labor, especially right now where it's really still difficult, right? To get people in ORs and they're having to steward um, OR utilization because there's not enough staff. The more we can do to reduce that amount of extra work possible. I think it's great for everybody. And then I think also when you think about the proper medication disposal, you no longer can just shoot it into a sink or shoot it down down a disposal area. It actually has to go to a disposal bin. So those are definitely things that we got to think about with the new EPA ruling. So I think when you can minimize doses, use the smallest dosage form possible, match the dose uh, to utilization in the order set, I think you can really come up with a more streamlined approach that reduces waste, reduces diversion, and creates kind of a safer environment for the patient overall. Ryan, you always do such a nice job echoing those really key points. So I appreciate that. And, and your leadership on this issue has, has been fantastic. And, you know, speaking of leadership, you know, engaging 
our colleagues, our leaders, other stakeholders on this issue and the consequences of drug diversion is really important. It's vital. So Bernadette, I'd be curious, in your experience, do you think it would be helpful as we look towards engagement to have someone who actually has abused or diverted drugs to actually talk to staff or talk to faculty on this issue? Thanks, John. I think that is an excellent suggestion. Um, anesthesia providers are at a higher risk of drug diversion than nursing and other health professions. And I'm aware of this. So I'm always trying to get this message across to the students not to abuse drugs. So I talk to them about it at different part, parts of the program. I also do simulation scenarios where the the provider is abusing and what do they do about this? Um, I have them watch some videos from the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists of people telling their stories. But then one of the other things I do for the seniors before they graduate is I bring them all in for a, a dinner and I have their significant others with them. And uh, a CRNA who has a history of abusing drugs talks to them about it. And it's really powerful. She talks about how she ended up losing her profession over it. You know, she had three different relapses and she finally, the board of nursing took her license away. So she talks about how she had such an amazing career and she, she ruined it by abusing drugs. And um, the students have told me that of all the things that I do, that is the most powerful and the one that really implants in their brain to not abuse drugs. So I think it, I think it's very helpful to do this. Yeah. Thank you, Bernadette. That sounds incredibly engaging and impactful. Unfortunately, not everyone is engaged, right? And we do have some individuals who lack engagement as a, as a practical question. What do you do if there's a discrepancy or an issue and you try to contact a provider, maybe via email and they're just, they're not engaged. They don't respond. How do you get these people to, to read their email or get them engaged on this important issue? And that's a great topic because now that we have this system, CRNAs and nursing anesthesia students get emails saying, hey, yesterday you gave this drug, you said this much was given, but you didn't waste this amount. What is the issue? And if people don't respond to that in a timely fashion, that's not good. And so we are required to check our emails every day. And I think that's where management has to be supportive of this too. If they aren't doing it, then management needs to come down on them hard and say, you have to do this or you're going to be put on probation. And, you know, I'm in charge of the students, so they know too. And if they aren't checking their emails and not responding to this, then I get on them and say, you're going to be placed on probation if you don't start looking at emails every day. So I think that's just part of our, our professionalism that we need to follow up on this and, and be responsive when people send us emails. Yeah, thanks, Bernadette. You know, those practical tips can, can have big impact. I appreciate you sharing it. You know, as we start to wrap up, Ryan, I, I want to conclude with you and kind of a big picture question, because ultimately what we're discussing comes down to leadership, aligned priorities, and you have some really great experience in this area. So for those that have tried to engage uh, in executive champions around controlled substance management, but really haven't got much traction, what do you recommend they do? You know, I think one of the first realizations is a lot of our executive champions uh, as of late have so many different priorities, right? Always coming to them. And it's hard. They're, they're having to prioritize these different 
burning fires, whether it be, you know, compliance with CMS, billing, um, whether it's controlled substance management. And I think one of the things that I found to be effective, especially with a busy executive team, is aligning kind of the goals of controlled substance management with their strategic plan. Because there's really no magic bullet, right? But every organization develops a strategic plan, has strategic priorities, and is very focused around those measures of success and those tactics. And so if you can align controlled substance management with those tactics, that's a great way to synergize and help meet the goals that have already been established and kind of gain executive champions. And what I mean by that is someone might say, well, how, how do you do that? Well, think about this, what we've talked about throughout this entire session and throughout this entire back and forth questionnaire is, you know, the management has an impact, controlled substance on financial stewardship, right? And when also has an impact on labor management. And when we think about how important this is lately, those two alone, especially as people are doing their it, what used to be COVID recovery, right? But but COVID duration right now where people are canceling some of those uh, procedurals, people are really concerned about labor and finances. Well, right there, you have a burning platform controlled substance management. But in addition to that, there's quality initiatives that you can leverage through the Joint Commission, Board of Pharmacy, DEA, that you can also leverage and weave in uh, some of the benefits and find that executive champion that really resonates with it, whether they be clinical, administrative, whether they be risk or quality, start with them, right? align with those strategic goals, and then move it forward and kind of work to figure out what is that necessary next step to get it prioritization, whether it's on the AOP, the action plan, and then always be wet, be ready to move forward and have that proposal ready. You can't wait. And this is the biggest thing. You can't wait for a worst case scenario to occur to get everyone's attention. Start aligning those goals now, have the proposals ready, wait for that right timing, jump on it, be successful, be clear, succinct, and have that value proposition ready to go. Well, big, a big thank you, Ryan, to you and a big thank you to you, Bernadette. I've really enjoyed our meaningful chat about our variety of frontline lessons that can help create a drug diversion value proposition for all health systems. That's all the time we have today. Thank you for joining us for the ASHP Advantage podcast, Engaging the Experts. Don't forget to check out the website, www.ashpadvantage.com slash preventdiversion to view the recorded webinar, Wasted Efforts, Engaging Key Stakeholders to Optimize Health System Drug Disposal and Prevent Diversion. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcasts through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you all. Thanks for joining us for the ASHP Advantage Podcast, Engaging the Experts. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time for more expert perspectives on ASHP Official.